today on the Almond Journey podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed the industry. I've enjoyed this position. I've enjoyed all the challenges that I've had both personally and professionally and been a great ride, as they say. Richard Wacott reflects on the past two decades as president and CEO of the Almond Board of California. Welcome back to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I get to travel up and down the valley, virtually in this case, to feature leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their local communities, and advance the almond industry. Today, we've got a special episode for you, celebrating the last 20 plus years of the Almond Board of California. California under the leadership of Richard Wacott. Richard announced several months ago now that he would be retiring at the end of 2023. And here we are. He graciously joined me for an interview reflecting on the past couple of decades in almonds and his hopes for where the industry can go from here. Richard, as I'm sure most of you already know, joined the Almond Board of California as president and CEO back in 2002. In today's episode, we talk about the evolution of the almond industry since that time, milestones and lessons learned along the way, the transition over to the incoming CEO, Clarice Turner, and his vision for the future of almonds. Enjoy this special interview in his last month as president and CEO of the Almond Board with Richard Wacock. I came in in September of 2002. And uh, at that time, the industry, industry was about to, or was in the process of harvesting its first billion pound crop. And uh, obviously, the organization, the budget, et cetera, were much smaller than they are today. But yeah, we were you know, a much younger industry at that point, much smaller and uh, certainly, I think, less sophisticated in, in how we uh, went about uh, the business here at the board. But we had very, very strong beginnings and a good foundation that I inherited. And uh, I have Roger and his team to thank for that. The uh, beginnings of our, of our uh, nutrition research work were underway, uh, very early beginnings. I think we had a couple of studies that were underway at the time. And that helped uh, open our eyes a bit to the possibilities of what could be done if we understood and discovered that there were benefits for human health and the human diet by eating almonds. And we basically pursued that, that road, that course, that journey, and ultimately that goal over the ensuing years. When I reflect back on the wisdom of that, it was a little bit of, of, of luck, but at the same time, we knew we had to to do something rather significant in terms of changing the positioning of almonds with health professionals and with the consumer in order to expand production. So lots of learnings went on, lots of trial and error went on, but ultimately we really led the tree nut industry in that regard over many years. And it allowed us to expand domestically in terms of per capita consumption from under a pound per person to about 2.3 pounds per person today. It uh, provided health professionals with the information they needed to 
uh, counsel their patients and speak at uh, medical forums and scientific gatherings, et cetera, on the on the dietary benefits of almonds. And it allowed food processors and product innovators to consider using almonds more and more as an ingredient. And through all that process, obviously, developing a health uh, reputation, a health halo, if you will, for almonds that then uh, in and of itself created momentum with new products being launched that had almond content and took advantage of that health halo that had been created. So it was quite uh, quite the journey that had all sorts of ramifications to it, mostly positive. And then, of course, overseas, our efforts to take that message around the world became part of our portfolio with, you know, sound science backing it up, but obviously local applications of the messaging in the major markets where we were trying to grow consumption. So very interesting, a uh, very interesting journey uh, and really sort of a case study, I think, of food product that had a reputation that had been built for years, not a negative reputation, but it was a it was a reputation that, that didn't have uh, many benefits to the product except for good taste and crunch, and then uh, building, you know, a whole new positioning for it over time, uh, where you know it did become a, a food has become a food that's just highly recommended by by health professionals uh, as as what should be part of one's daily diet. So quite quite a quite a journey. Yeah, and and with the benefit of hindsight, it sure looks like the clear right path for almonds. But I'm curious how it looked at that point when you started. Did you come in with that, you know, with sort of that inkling that okay, we need to double down on this health research, and this is this is going to be the path forward, or did that kind of slowly become clear over time? I think it became cl- clear over time uh, with any research that we do here, be it production research or clinical research uh, with human trials. You never know what the outcome is going to be, and you may have a desired outcome, but you don't know what it's going to be, and yet the results are you know, provided to the, the public arena, and so you have the sort of learning uh, and maturing process that says, well, you know, we are willing to fund research in these areas, not knowing the outcome, but we're willing to accept that trial and, and error, if you will. That's part of the process because without that, you're never going to get to where you hope to get to. And that is that uh, with each research project you do, you have learnings. Again, they may not be the perfect outcome that you had hoped for, but they're learnings that take you then to the next phase and the next phase and the next phase. And that's that's what we went through. Uh, I think the other thing that was a real uh, sort of adoption curve we had to go through was the cost of clinical trials. We've been used to doing tons of research with the growing side of the, of the business, but we hadn't had much experience at all with doing human clinical trials. And they are of a whole nature unto themselves. There's a whole discipline unto themselves. There's a different you know, peer-reviewed process and the publishing of results that's, that's different in that area. Uh, and the price tag's a lot different. And I think that's one thing that was uh, a learning curve for the industry, for the board of directors, et cetera, was uh, this is great, but it sure is expensive. And so we as an industry decided to make that investment. And 
thank goodness we did because it paid off in spades. Yeah. And, and I wonder, was it, you know, especially with like the, the pounds per person consumption, is that something that's just kind of, you know, it's gradually ticked up as that body of research has, has become more, you know, uh, robust and how, as the words got out there, or were there key milestones along the way or kind of big, big jumps to that end along the way? I think it was the former primarily and that this was a progressive journey where it was an additive journey in the sense of the, the basic foundation of research. We, we kept adding to that, not just in the same areas, but we kept adding research in, in different areas in terms of human health. Uh, it started out with cholesterol and heart health, but then has ventured on to, to diabetes and weight management and gut health and most recently uh, muscle recovery that you're seeing with our Deion Sanders uh, promotion that's underway right now, as well as uh, dermatological health, so skin health, both ingesting almonds as well as topical use of almond oil. So it was it really was a, a foundation that kept growing, and with that growth, the multiple reasons for consumers to, to eat more almonds uh, was sort of available to them uh, in, in whatever health sector they, they wish to you know, focus on. And so it made it uh, sort of a ubiquitous type of health picture uh, for consumers. At the same time, there was a tremendous increase in the number of uh, new products that were being launched. And that's still the case today. Obviously, we had the advent of almond milk, which came on, even though it's been around a long, long time, it came on uh, with a vengeance probably 12 years ago or so uh, with the positioning of almond milk in the refrigerated case of, of American supermarkets. And that just drove uh, sort of the plant-based uh, milk or beverage sector tremendously and, and certainly had an influence on per capita consumption of, of almonds. But I'd say that the maybe it's sort of the the ubiquitous nature of and and the multiple multifaceted nature of the health research that we did that consumers learned about slowly but surely and then the ability to find almonds in almost any product application in a supermarket almost in any row of a supermarket uh, or aisle of a supermarket uh, that made almonds super available and consumers started to eat them for lunch or for breakfast or as a snack or in a drink uh, or in their favorite ice cream for dessert, whatever. It became something that could be consumed throughout the day and wasn't seasonal in nature at all anymore. Whereas if you go back 25 years, uh, a lot of you know nuts were eaten in the holiday period. And uh, most people may, may not have eaten nuts, certainly as a snack outside of that. So it really broadened the uh, product offering and, uh, you know, consumers pursued that as, you know, healthier diets and, and plant-based products uh, became much more available. Yeah. Yeah, I know we've had several people on the podcast uh, comment about they can remember the anxiety of, of thinking, how are we going to move a billion you know, pounds of, of almonds? Uh, and then every time it goes up, the, the continued anxiety about what's this going to do. And so there's no doubt, you know, the industry has really risen to the occasion to, to have almonds in so many different places and so many different households. Um, I, I'm curious for you on the, on the personal side, as you reflect on the 20 years, you know, what stands out as most rewarding or moments that you will definitely remember from your time at the almond board? 
Well, I, I came uh, to the almond board from private industry. I'd always been in agriculture and in food production, both uh, B2B, business to business, as well as a stint uh, with consumer products and consumer marketing. I'd always had an international career. So coming here into a nonprofit industry association, basically, you know, we are a federal marketing order. We essentially operate like an industry association. Uh, it was something new for me. And I, quite honestly, coming in, wasn't sure that this was for me. <laughs> I mean, I love the product. I love the fact that we produced and still do over 80% of the world supply in this valley. Uh, I love the international aspect of the business because that was something that I had always enjoyed. and look forward to uh, learning uh, you know new markets and 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 new applications uh, in, in this in this business after I joined it but it was uh, you know a, a good fit I thought but I, I wasn't sure necessarily that the association management long term would be you know really where I'd want to stay and now looking back 21 years it's like well I guess I did want to stay <laughs> it was for me and I think uh, what made that uh, longevity take place was the incredible growth curve that this industry went through over 20 years, uh, tripling in size, and obviously all that that brought with it in terms of uh, the geographic expansion and the number of programs that we became involved in, the leadership we provided and provide to the tree nut industry and California agriculture in general, uh, the leadership in the health uh, space that clearly uh, we were sort of pioneers in and in the nut world anyway. Uh, and, uh, you know, all of the achievements in terms of winning over uh, consumers around the world. So uh, when I look back, there were a couple of, of threshold moments in terms of achievements uh, in the food safety arena and in the, the health arena. But I think mostly for me, uh, it was a wealth of good people and uh, solid family farms that I got to deal with over all these years uh, and an industry that really wanted to aspire and a board of directors, fortunately for me, that also wanted to really, you know, Go, go where no nut has gone before, sort of thing, right? And so that was really exciting to be part of and to provide the you know, executive management that would take us there. So, yeah, it, it's been um, really a, a, del a delight. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed the industry. I've enjoyed this position. I've enjoyed all the challenges that I've had both personally and professionally. And it's been a, been a great ride, as they say. Yeah. Well, you mentioned challenges there. Is, there. is there anything as you reflect on these past 20 years that you that stands out as a as a regret or anything you, you wish would have gone differently? <laughs> well, I think we all can say that the current economic conditions of the industry are not uh, the ones we desire. And it's uh, it's unfortunate that we've, we've had this dip, very unfortunate. And it's not for lack of a lot of effort. It's not for a lack of making a lot of right decisions. It's a lot of things that came together to not only take our industry economically to a level that, that is unsustainable, but 
has done so for a lot of the tree nuts and and we need to climb out of that and i'm hoping that'll take place here sooner much sooner than later but um no i don't i don't think they're really uh, that i have any any big regrets I, I think you know when we had challenges like the salmonella incidents of 2001 and 2004 and, and we uh, rallied as an industry, uh, which which wasn't easy. It was very difficult actually to earn, you know, the the support and and reach the decisions at the board level to pursue in the pasteurization program. Again, not not easily done at all, but but we did it, and we haven't had a salmonella incident since then. Uh, we also did the same with with some aflatoxin issues going into Europe. Uh, we still have some issue with that, but we largely mitigated it through our pre-export check program. So there, there are many examples of initiatives that the industry took to ensure that we could chart the course forward that we wanted to. And we did so in, in ways that other industries did not, and they suffered the consequences from that. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud and not regretful that we, we went through sort of the pain of, of uh, deliberation and uh, second-guessing ourselves a bit uh, whether this is the right thing to do for the industry, but ultimately doing it. And again, you know, history has proven that those were good choices that we made. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, sound, it sounds like you had to take multiple sort of unprecedented actions early in your tenure there. I mean, between food safety and the health research, uh, things like that. Are there any particular conversations or people that that uh, stand out as you know giving you advice early on when you were leading the almond board that that really impacted the rest of your work there? Well, I, I'd say a couple of things. Uh, first of all, yes, there have been individuals throughout my career here that I've looked to for their advice. Uh, one one thing coming into this sort of position with this type of organization, you have you know, today, 7,600 growers that are contributing to the Almond Board of California financially, and you know many of those also with their personal time on our committees or the board of directors, et cetera. Uh, and you have different points of view, and you have different business models that handlers have for their clientele and things that uh, certain parts of the industry want to support and other parts of the industry don't. And so uh, uh, my viewpoint on all that was that, you know, most likely there's a position that, that's best for the industry. And best for the industry doesn't necessarily mean it's best for absolutely everybody, but it's best for the industry as a whole. And that's what I always strove to achieve and support it with science and sound thinking and logic. But at the same time, trying to inspire and you know create a vision for the industry where making those decisions in that way you know would support that vision and so I, I think we did a pretty good job of that over the years not totally successful all the time but that's was was my approach and then and with that making sure that I surrounded myself with the best team that I possibly could and I must say uh, I'm so pleased handing the reins over to Clarice uh, with the team we have in place here at the Yellow Board. They're just very highly motivated, very professional experts in their fields. And I think uh, that's been a large, to a large degree, part of the success of the board's 
programs and activities and ultimately the industry has been the team we have in place here. I've been able to rely on across all sorts of different issues that we deal with here. And it is very broad, the landscape of things we deal with here. It's largely due to that, that we've been as successful as we have. Well, uh, all right. Well, so, we, so we talked about, you know, a, a lot of reflections and successes over the years. I'm just curious if there's anything that you, as you've kind of, your, your time is winding down there, that it struck you just now that, boy, I, I'm actually really going to miss this. <laughs> well, I'm certainly going to miss the industry in general. I'll miss uh, many of my dear friends and colleagues. Uh, and, and yeah, I miss. I, in this day and age, you don't have to drop out of contact with anybody anymore. Uh, so hopefully it won't happen. But yeah, I'll definitely miss that. And the challenges and, and the international aspect of things. I've, you know, Some people say, aren't you sick and tired of getting on an airplane and going to Timbuktu, and I go, no, I'm really not, you know? And so I've, I've really always enjoyed the international aspect of this and finding in each culture things to enjoy and finding in each market uh, culture uh, challenges to overcome and, and opportunities to take advantage of. So I've, I've really enjoyed that aspect of the, the business and uh, obviously leaving here I won't be able to replicate that, but uh, I, I, I'll, I'll try and keep my, my fingers and toes in, in, in the international arena in certain ways. And so, uh, but that is something that I've always really enjoyed. I do think that businesses go through different cycles of growth and, and maturation. And the period that I've been here, which has sort of been the go-go years of growth, uh, again, from a billion to two billion pounds, roughly, in production, uh, and obviously going from, I don't even know what we were at the time, but uh, a smaller crop in California agriculture to the leading crop, you know, it's, it's been a, a phase, as I mentioned before, just of all these learnings and also becoming much more placed in a leadership role uh, in the state, around the world, in the tree nut industry, by far the largest tree nut in the world, you know, so we, we've, we've had to grow up uh, in that sense as an industry and certainly uh, in our activities in terms of leading uh, the, the tree nut industry around the world. Uh, so as, as I hand over the reins here, we're, we're in a different phase. We're not in the go-go growth years in terms of acreage where we're not uh, probably going to grow the size of the crop or increase the size of the crop here very much for a while. And uh, we have a lot more competition in the world. We've got other origins that are producing almonds. We have the two main other origins, Australia and the Iberian Peninsula, poised to produce quite a bit more. Uh, And we have the other tree nuts around the world that are all increasing in supply. And on top of that, we have the whole plant-based food movement and plant-based products that are also increasing in their offerings everywhere and touting a lot of the benefits that we owned for a while, if you will, uh, not recently, but certainly in the earlier years. So there's a much different landscape competitively uh, out there right now and will be into the future. And uh, we need to navigate that with new positioning for almonds and really ensure that our competitive profile 
and the reasons for eating almonds and our relevancy with the newer generations, you know, is where it needs to be for us to keep ourselves profitable and keep the industry growing to the extent it can based on production. I think also the, the whole area of biomass is fascinating with the fact that we produce the hulls and shells that we do and the woody biomass that, you know, the crop per drop is basically four crops per drop that we produce and what we may be able to do in the future with the hulls in a whole new way, by taking the blinders off of dairy cattle feed and uh, moving into human consumption with hulls and other applications. Same thing with industrial applications for shells and even our woody biomass with the cellulose and possible uh, new products there. So uh, there's, there's a lot of new opportunity that I think is out there, but it's, it's quite different than the past. Not that we're giving up at all on the human health aspect of our product and future and the continued research we'll do in that area, but uh, be also you know, really opening up our viewpoints on other aspects of the industry that could provide future revenues, uh, cost reductions, expansion of markets, et cetera, that uh, we haven't uh, focused on in the past 20 years. Yeah, and to that end, um, you know, what, what is your, your advice as you hand things over to Clarice, uh, to her, to the extent you want to share that publicly, but also to the industry uh, as they enter this next era that you just described? Right, well, I think it's definitely approaching this with a very open mind. I think what, uh, what brought us here, what got us here isn't going to get us there, sort of quote unquote, as a saying. And so if you take us back 20, 25 years and sort of put yourself in the position where we were, we discussed that earlier, uh, you, it was probably pretty hard to imagine what was going to take place over the next 20 years, right? But you had to have a op very open mind and try things and take risk and be able to put money and, and industry resources behind initiatives that may not all pan out, but the only way you figure that out is by trying. And so I would just uh, ask the industry, even though I know it's such a difficult time right now, to keep a very open mind about where we can go with the product, where we can go with different applications, new applications, where we can go with our biomass, uh, and sort of what role, new roles we can play as a product in global food consumption. Uh, I'd also really encourage the industry to keep as open a mind as it can and support the funding at the Alma board that drives the production research that we do here. The oldest program we have at the Alma board is production research and, and that has created or resulted in all sorts of advancements for the industry over time. Again, it's not, it's not a straight road always, but over time it has provided you know, tremendous insight into ways we can farm better and, and conserve resources better. And that's going to become just more and more important in the industry's future. Uh, cost of production has obviously gone way up, and some of it might come down a bit, but we really need to try and control costs, mitigate costs, uh, while at the same time maximizing revenue uh, in new and different ways. So, yeah, I think, I think you know, great industries, I think, have that type of outlook to the future. And uh, with that, they explore new areas that 
uh, not always, but often result in in new findings and discoveries that take them to the next you know the next level. And I, I really hope that our industry can repeat what it has done over the last 25 years in the next 25 years with obviously different tactics, different discoveries, different outcomes in a way, but will uh, ensure the survivability of, of the industry and, and again, support the family farmers that make up uh, over 90% of our farms today. Well, I, I've been instructed that I need to ask you uh, if you found someone to adopt your dry farmed tree. <laughs> well, uh, you bring that up because I adopted a tree during COVID. And uh, just very quickly, I, I live here in Modesto, I have a, uh, an apartment near uh, Dry Creek. And lo and behold, on my many walks during COVID down through the Dry Creek Park, uh, I discovered there were almonds all over the place actually down there that were you know now wild but must have been part of an orchard at some point and one of them uh, i befriended and so yes i have uh our associate director of production research dr sebastian saw who uh is is very familiar with my tree and i'm entrusting that tree to him to take care of. Okay. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear that. Uh, well, Richard, I, I mean, I, I know obviously at TAC, I'm sure everyone will come up to you and tell you in person, you know, how grateful they are to your service over the 20 years of this industry. And it's amazing the difference that the, that is evident uh, of what's happened in, in the past 20 years. I just wonder uh, any parting thoughts, any final thoughts you want to leave as emphasis or punctuation here on this podcast episode? Well, um, believe in yourselves and believe in the power of this product and understand that it takes inputs to get outputs. So don't, don't shortchange the future by shortchanging the near term and what has to be done to figure out uh, the next course forward. So you've got a great team here. You've got a great board of directors. have a great legacy. We have an incredible foundation as an industry and as a food product around the world. And so it just needs uh, the, the industry's effort and focus on, on taking us into the next phase. And I'm sure they can do that uh, and will do that, but uh, it needs that type of conviction and dedication to that uh, goal and that process to, to make it happen. So stick with, stick with what has worked for many, many years now in terms of the approach to the business and to the future of, of almonds uh, as a food product for humans, as a byproduct. And I'm sure that the pieces will fall into place and, and uh, this industry will move on well into the next phase. Thank you, Richard, very much. My pleasure. Well, what a couple of decades it has been under Richard's leadership. The growth and the innovation that the almond industry has experienced is truly a testament to Richard's work and the team he's put together there at the Almond Board of California. I think I speak on behalf of everyone listening and everyone in the industry when I say thank you, Richard, for your tireless efforts over the years and best wishes as you head into this next chapter for you. 
We here at the Almond Journey podcast believe everyone in this almond industry has a story of their own, of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing voices of industry leaders, people like Richard Waycott, may spark a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. And that's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by following or subscribing to the show on your podcast platform of choice. And please pass it along to at least one other person in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.